The following program is a podcast1.com production. Let's play. It's getting tougher and tougher for me to record a show. It just seems that every week the days get away from me and there's something getting in the way of sitting down and recording. I don't think it's a lack of desire. I do like the sound of my own voice. It's just that with all the traveling I'm doing and the things I'm working on and uh, what have you, something's always getting in the way. So this show is late again. Hopefully I can get on some kind of rhythm or something. As I am in Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. Yeah. And today I I did something uh, truly bizarre. I picked up well, I purchased it, but I, I, it was delivered. A Tesla. An electric car. Now, I am a car guy. I've always been a car guy. Car and motorcycles. And I like fast cars. I like hot rods. I like muscle cars. I like cars with attitude. And I never thought that I would be interested or intrigued by an electric car. My, let me back it up a little bit. I consider myself to be an environmentalist. Uh, as I've told you, uh, I actually participated in the first ever Earth Day. I think it was 1971. Oh, wait, I hear, I hear, wait where's that? I hear something. It's coming. It's, I'm old! I participated in the first ever Earth Day, and um, and I pride myself on doing things with an eye towards, I've always, and then you're going back, that's 1971, so you're going back, what, 40 years? Uh, I'm old! Uh, and uh, as I've always tried to be environmentally conscious, I have fallen very short when it comes to my cars and my motorcycles. Pretty much to a vehicle, my cars and motorcycles are horrendous violators, environmentally speaking. My muscle cars burn high-octane fuel, and they've been, you know, and a lot of them have been uh, pre, um, you know, unleaded fuel. And because they're old cars, they get away, they've gotten away with, I should say. I don't have any anymore. They've gotten away with not having catalytic converters and using, uh, using leaded gas and things like that. 
And I feel terrible. I, um, I, well, I don't feel terrible about the cars themselves. I, I know that they're just not environmentally friendly and contributing to the problem. I drive an H2 Hummer. This beast gets less than 10 miles to the gallon. And, um, and it's, you know, spews fumes. And I, I, I feel terrible about that. Uh, with that one, I actually went as far because I felt so bad about the low. I know you people are sitting there. Well, then do something about it. Well, I'll get to that. Get off my dick. I'm explaining. But I felt so terrible about it. I actually went online and paid for my carbon footprint. There are environmental organizations that say, well, if you're going to sin, at least you can pay for your sins. So they estimate, you tell them the vehicle you have, the size motor you have, and whatever else, they guesstimate how much carbon you're going to emit, and they charge you for your carbon footprint. And in return for this contribution, hundreds of dollars, you get um, a sticker that says, I paid for my carbon footprint. So on my post-apocalyptic, post-zombie apocalypse Hummer, my Hummer has been customized for the zombie apocalypse. It is um, has 90-gallon gas tanks because when you get less than 10 miles a gallon, you're going to have to you need more than 30 gallons of gas. So I have 90 gallons of gas. Um, it's you know it's got side pipes on it. Uh, it's got a snorkel on it. It's black. Oh, it's it's got diamond plate steel bumpers, front, rear, sides. So in case I have to ram my way out of trouble in the zombie apocalypse, it's got there uh, a lot of compartments and things like that for is storing essentials, transporting essential goods, whatever they may be, and it is black. It is completely black and carbon fiber. It is probably one of the evilest looking vehicles you've ever seen. And on my window, I have this beautiful blue and green sticker that says, I pay for my carbon footprint. Um, and um, which I often point to it when old ladies are giving me the finger. I, I point they, when they walk by and I go up yours. I um, I point to my sticker and go, I paid for my footprint. I'm not completely bad and evil, uh, but my Viper and my motorcycles and you know and my my challenge Hemi Challenger and all these car these vehicles use high-octane fuel, they get terrible gas mileage. Well, the minus motorcycle is not so bad, but considering, you know, and, and, and they are not environmentally friendly. I recognize that. At last, along has come a vehicle that has piqued my interest, and that is the Tesla. What would pique my interest about it, besides the fact that it's completely electric, and you can go 300 miles on a charge, and that's with air conditioning going and everything going, 
300 miles. But it is lightning fast. They, when it first came out a few years ago, they had, um, you know, like uh, cruise mode and, and, uh, and, and sport mode. And had some nice acceleration. Then after a couple of years, and I don't have my exact details on it, but they came out with insane mode. That's what it's called, insane. And it is, um, you step on the gas. I understand with an electric car, there's no transmission. It's pure torque. There's no wheel spin. If anybody remembers slot cars, I'm old. Uh, the way a slot car just accelerated because it's electric. There's, it, the Tesla pins you to the seat with its torque and its acceleration. And this is a sedan. It can hold up to seven people. It's got a jump seat in the back for little kids. So it's roomy, it's comfortable, and it's lightning fast. Well, this past year, they came out with ludicrous speed. Remember Spaceballs, anybody? Spaceballs, the movie, they had ludicrous speed. Well, um, Elon Musk, or whatever his name is, the creator of the Tesla uh, automobile, uh, he's got a good sense of humor. And ludicrous speed, hold on to your, your, your hats here, those who are speed demons, speed freaks. Z, this, we're talking about a, car, uh, a sedan that does a 10-second quarter mile and 0 to 60 in 2.8 seconds. That's sport bike fast. Zero to 60 in 2.8 seconds. Now you go online and there's virtually no supercars out. Well, there's few supercars out there that can beat it. Accelerate as fast. And the one I saw on YouTube is a Ford GT40. One of the premier supercars on the road today. Racing. A, they're coming to get me. There's always some, I'm in Vegas, and there's always some, you can't believe the amount of, of crime and fire going on in Vegas. I mean, you've been out here, I mean, there's bail bondsmen on every corner, and every other ad on TV seems to be a lawyer to, you know, like, sort of help you with your, with your problems. Um, there's a, a video of a Ford GT supercar racing a Tesla sedan. The Ford GT has the camera in it, and with good reason. Off the line, the Tesla dusts the Ford GT40. Gone. Gone. The, the Ford GT40 doesn't catch up to the Tesla until it hits about 175 miles an hour. Then it passes it. It is ridiculously fast, and this appeals to me. Because when I have to go get milk for the family, I like to know that I can get there quickly and get back home quickly as well. It's important. You know, it's, you need to have this kind of speed at your fingertips. Because you never know when you have to go that fast. So, I got uh, me a Tesla. Now, get ready to have your mind blown. Because this is like Jetson stuff. Not only does this car 
and you may have heard some things have self-park, where the car will will do a will 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 parallel park for you beautifully, perfect. One of you can use it on your road test. Okay, mm-hmm. not only has that, not only does it have some in that where it will let itself out of the garage. So, okay, so you're in the house, and on your either on your iPhone with your app, you start the car, turns on the climate control, it opens the garage door, and pulls itself out of the garage into your driveway and awaits you. It's called Summit. On its own. But it has self-drive. That's where the car drives you. Today, I had my car drive me in traffic on the highway. You want to talk about a disconcerting experience. Sitting behind the wheel and having the car maneuver including changing lanes. Stopping going is a freaky damn experience. One which you adapt to, and I did get used to, after a short amount of time when I realized the car kind of knew what it was doing. And it was amazing to be driven in traffic while I dealt with some phone calls and I, I, I wasn't texting, but I could. I mean, the Tesla has a full-size um, computer screen. You're, you're on the Internet the entire time. It constantly has you online. That's how it functions. So while you're in traffic and the car is driving you where you're going, you could be answering calls, texts, and other things as well. Jimmy Kimmel said when he heard about the self-driving Tesla, uh, he said, um, can you send it out to Uber while you're not using it? Because I think technically you should be able to. And that would be kind of cool because they're expensive cars. So if it could like offset its price by running, doing Uber runs while you're at home watching TV, that would be pretty righteous. I do say so myself. Which brings me to a very important point. Here I was, getting a new car. I'm looking here for my my information, because this is important to me. And I could not, I could not use TrueCar. I've been advertising TrueCar for quite a while now. And I wanted to use TrueCar to purchase a car because TrueCar, this is, I've been waiting, my entire, I'm a car guy. I've bought so many cars. And as I've talked about in the past, when you're purchasing a car, you're at an incredible disadvantage. Because unless you're just, you know, well, there's two things. One, you can be knowledgeable about the car. Okay, for sure. You can go online, you can learn about the car, and you can learn about all of its it features and the things it has and the options it has and the things you want to get. And that's great. So you can educate yourself on that level. But can you educate yourself 
to be a professional salesman? Can you read enough and be practiced enough to go up? I'm not talking about, okay, some people are thinking, oh, no, I can, I'm great with sales. I'm like, I, I barter like an Arab tra trader. No, okay, fine. I'm talking about most of us. Most of us suffer in silence when it comes to dealing with salespeople because we are not smarter than they are. It's not that we're not smarter. It's just that they know their job. It's what they do. Like I said before, anybody can come and, you know, and, and they can't do your job. That's what you do. When you're going in against a pro when it comes to selling, when you go into a car dealership, these people are professional salespeople. And some of them are career car salesmen, but others are just salesmen, period. And I come from a family of salesmen. They sell. That's what they do. And they know how to do it well. And they know how to manipulate you. And they know how to get you to walk out with what they want to sell you, not what you want to buy. So when I start doing true car ads, I read every week this great copy. And this isn't copy. This is me talking here. And I go, this is awesome. Why haven't I had this before? This is the best thing in the world. But of course, because, I mean, you can, because with TrueCar, you go online, and that's how you find the fair price on a new car. With TrueCar, you see what others in your area have paid for the same car you're looking for, and that helps you determine a fair price. So you're not going to leave the dealership with a car, feeling good about yourself, and then find out, like, you paid that much? Because people love to tell you that. Have you ever heard somebody say, wow, you got a good deal? No, no one, someone once said to me, no one wants to share in your happiness, they want to share in your misery. They are so fast to let you know that you got ripped off. You know what? You, pay, you bought that? Why'd you pay for that extra? I got that. For, you know, they're ready to tell you that all the time. But no, with TrueCar, you can determine a fair price. Then you get a guaranteed savings certificate from a TrueCar certified dealer, and your savings will be honored by a TrueCar certified dealer without the need to renegotiate. And TrueCar users save an average of $3,221 off MSRP, no hassles or headaches. It's how car buying was always meant to be. So I'm like excited. I'm buying a new car. I'm going to TrueCar the excrement out of this thing. And I'm going to get me a deal. Only find out that you can't true car a Tesla. There's no negotiating. There's no haggling. There's no salespeople. There's no arguing. It's all done online. This is the price. Take it or leave it. You go down. You pay for it online. I mean, it's got to cool in a way that you're not like getting, getting you know, overpaying. But you're not, you can't negotiate. You can't get a deal. I couldn't true car this. That sucked. But you can. Because there are over like over two million cars have already been sold by True Car Certified Dealer by the True Car Certified Dealer Network. And there are over ten thousand deals in the True Car Certified Dealer Network, so you will work directly with a True Car Certified Dealer contact. Look, visit I couldn't do it, but you can. Visit TrueCar.com or download the TrueCar app and start saving. TrueCar, never overpay. Somebody was asking me about uh, about Donald Trump, and I'm not going to get into Donald Trump in, in a grand way, but but something came to mind, and because they were asking me about if you know they I, I, you know they, they thought I was endorsing him, 
um, because he was using my song. Then I'm pretty sure he's not anymore. Um, I, but the point is, uh, he's moved on to greater pastures. And, and there's this assumption, you know, uh, because we're friends, that I am endorsing him and voting for him. And I, I still have not decided who I'm supporting, who I'm endorsing, and who I'm voting for. But I, I, I said to him, I said, I said to the first, I said, listen, I said, Donald Trump's my friend. I said, you have friends? He said, the guy said, yeah. It was an interviewer, actually. I said, is there one of them that you would vote for to be president of the United States? Any one of your friends. I have a whole bunch of friends, including Donald Trump. All right, on a completely different subject. And now I'm trying to pull up this copy. Well, not copy, but I made some notes. Because people are dropping like flies, as you have noticed. I'm sure you've all noticed. Musicians are dropping like flies. You know, and it seemed to start, well, the first one that, that popped out was uh, Phil Taylor. Filthy, filthy animal Taylor. Filthy Phil, filthy Phil, filthy animal Taylor uh, from Motorhead. That was November 11th, and he passed away. And followed a little over a month later by Lemmy Kilmister, December 27th. David Bowie uh, died on January 10th. Gary uh, Iozo on uh, January 16th. Glenn Fry January 18th. Jimmy Bain, bass player for Rainbow and Dio on, on uh, January 23rd. Paul Kantner from uh, just a few days ago from Jefferson Airplane. January 28th. All these rockers, these rock stars have died. But, oh, yeah, Gary Ozo. Uh, Gary Ozo, uh, Gary Alexander, it's not Iozo, it's Loizo. Loizo. Sorry, I, I, I had a lowercase L there. It's throwing me off. Gary Alexander Loizo. He was the guitarist singer for a band known as the American Breed. They had a hit song called Bend Me, Shape Me in the 60s. It was sold over a million copies in the United States alone. Number five on the Billboard charts. Yeah, he went on after being at two, two other top 40 singles, Green Light and Step Out of Your Mind. Uh, he went on to start open his own recording studio in Chicago. And a two-time Grammy-nominated recording engineer. He worked with Ario Speedwagon, Sticks, Bad Company, Slash, Survivor, Liza Minnelli, Tenacious D, Van Nelson. He's re- he was a participant in selling over 25 million records worldwide. He was an engineer on, on pretty much every Sticks album they ever recorded, and he was their sat he was their front of house engineer for decades. Gary. Gary Loizzo, I can't even pronounce his name, and yet nobody noted his passing. Nobody noted that he died. Well, actually, two Chicago newspapers and one online music news website. I checked, and one of the Chicago papers uh, listed it as as uh, "Sticks loses sound man." That was his. That was the article. Sticks loses sound man. 
You know the song, Bend Me, Shave Me, Bend Me, Shave Me Any Way You Want Me. I mean, I would got me how I found this out. And I own that single as I heard the song on a commercial the other day, on a new commercial. And I was wondering, you know, what happened to that band? I look it up and I find out that Gary Luizzo had just died days before. And nobody cared. With all the rock and rollers, rock and rollers being acknowledged, their deaths being recognized. And it just got me thinking, like, what does it take to be acknowledged, to be recognized, to have that outpouring? I mean, certainly, the American breed, you know, they sold millions of records. Certainly, they you know they weren't uh, a game changer, but in the sixties, I mean, I had their singles. In their sixties, they were a really popular band, and this guy went on to, to like, do other things. Life after rock and roll, Grammy nominated recording engineer, working on the huge records. You would think some acknowledgement, yet there is some kind of a. Why? That some artists fall on one side of and others fall on the other. Now, you know, Jimmy Bain, the bass player for Rainbow and and uh, for Rainbow and Dio, he didn't get the acknowledgement that like Bowie got or Lemmy got or Glenn Fry got. But he got some acknowledgement within the metal community. He was acknowledged. Nobody cared that, 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 that Gary Luizzo passed away. His family cared. He's from Chicago, so he was a local, you know, a local, you can't even call him a local legend. Because not every newspaper there covered it. It was like one. One newspaper. Gary Luizzo died. And I'm not getting morbid, but I am wondering, where will I fall when that time comes? Do I care? You know, I think everybody would like to be recognized. They'd like to be remembered. But am I going to fall on the, am I going to fall on the Lemmy side of the line? Or am I going to fall on the Gary Luizzo side of the line? You know, I mean, Twisted Sister never had a top 10 hit. And our song, We're Not Gonna Take It, sure, it's used in a lot of commercials. So's Bend Me, Shape Me. And I've gone on to do radio and TV and theater and things like that. Well, Gary Luizzo went on to be a record producer and engineer and work on a lot of big hit records. Yet he falls on the side of the line of not being remembered. At a time where people are saying everybody's dropping like flies. Rockers are dropping like flies. And I'm wondering about that too, because is it just that we're at that age that we're conscious of 
the passing of our heroes. We're aware of the passing of these 60s and 70s and 80s music icons. They, they, they have to have been they have to have been passing before this. There's all these guys from the from the 50s bands. They must have, must be dying or have died already. A great number of them. We're not into that world of doo-wop and and you know and 50s songs and and early soul songs. So we're not really hyper aware of them passing. But does Cousin Brucey constantly announcing the death of another one of, of the heroes of the 50s and 60s? I wonder. It just seems like to us it's happening now. By the way, Lemmy had a great, one of his great quotes, one of his new great quotes the other day, and that well, before he passed, was like, I'm starting to think this rock and roll thing isn't good for him. You think? And that's another thing I'd like to know. Are the musicians, are, are, the, are the musicians of the 60s, 70s, are they dying younger than those of the 50s and early 60s? I mean, Frankie Valley of the Four Seasons is still around and dancing. Jay Black of uh, Jay and the Americans is still around. There's, you know, B.B. Uh, King just passed away. He wasn't, a, he wasn't a kid. He wasn't under, you know, he wasn't young. So were they living, you know, were they, is this something that's drug related, lifestyle related? I'm, 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 I could be completely wrong. I mean, I mean, we certainly know we've heard about, you know, Billy Holiday and people like that who died of heroin overdoses. I mean, the drugs have been around for a long time. But th- did it get worse? Was the 60s the revolution of the 60s, the drug culture of the 60s? that rolled over to the 70s. You know, and the early 70s, the glitter era, the disco era, those eras, then rolling into the 80s, the decade of decadence. I mean, they haven't started dropping like flies yet, the 80s rockers. You know, Lemmy, he's a holdover from the 70s who rolled into the 80s, but really, he was a 70s guy. But I I would love to see an, an analysis of this. I'd love to see somebody... Uh, read this, you know, and, and look at it and say, yeah, I want to chart this and listen. Well, you can see as drug use went along the rise in the uh, in the seventies, going into you know sixties and seventies, you definitely see the lifespan of the average rocker is shorter. And meanwhile, you know, Keith Richards lives on. Not that there's anything wrong with it. And Mick Jagger. So maybe there's no correlation at all. Maybe it's just, you know, we're, we're aware of it, again, because these are our heroes, except for Gary Luizzo, who, I mean, I, I wasn't really a hero of mine, but I, I, I was a fan of the American breed and bought their records. But I, I wonder, you know, uh, is the lifespan of the, of the rock star, of the musician, is it getting shorter? Or is it something that, uh, you know, or that's just a, a bit of constant and we're just aware, more aware of the past of these people? And it definitely seems like, I'm just, I'm just saying, seems like there's sort of a, a hump of late 60s, 70, you know, like if you cross that line 
you're kind of golden into your 80s. We haven't seen that for sure yet, but I'm just, it's just I'm, I'm, this is a slight observation on my part, possibly, that if you can get past that hump, 67, 68, 69, 70, you're going to cruise to 80-something. But only time will tell. Literally, only time will tell. On another front completely, but it's kind of age-related. Uh, and I don't know why I'm in that mode. Maybe because I'm old! No, I don't know. It's just, uh, well, I mean, there's, a, there's if I seem a little morbid, uh, talking about death and the passing of all these people and how you'll be remembered and stuff like that. Um, uh, you know, and I'm not looking to bring anybody's head down, but look, you know, this show is opportunity for me to share and express my feelings and, and you hopefully read into them, identify with them in your own way. But today, um, a dear friend of mine's son, 20 year old son was, was, uh, hit by a car and killed earlier this morning Joey Lozada um, Dwayne has been a long time roadie of Twisted Sister and you know and those kind of guys long time people who work with you it transcends the work the worker boss relationship it becomes a friendship and Dwayne is a friend and Joey, his son, has been out on the road with Twisted. Uh, he's brought him on the road and to, to festivals and stuff. And I've spent time with Joey in the past. And Dwayne, being a friend and a true supporter of mine and a Christmas freak, uh, he would come see my musical and came see it in Chicago, flew up he, by himself to Toronto, just by himself, to come see my show twice and the kind of guy who I didn't even know he was coming he paid for his tickets so that I wouldn't put him on on the guest list because he wanted to go online and buy a ticket and come in as a is that kind of guy that's a certain type of person Mick Foley's that kind of person this you know they don't make a big thing about it they just they just do it you know and last year Dwayne brought his brought Joey and his daughter up with him for the Christmas show, and I saw him then, and and uh, and uh, he was a good kid. He was uh, he was a, a headbanger, and he was a little uh, sullen, more around his dad, not around me so much. But I enjoyed his company. And um, this morning he was struck by a car and killed, and he had no ID on him. And the way they ID'd his body is that he had, he was wearing Twisted Sister crew passes. Uh, we haven't played since last summer. And I don't even know if Joey was there last summer. He might have been. Dwayne usually brought him around from time to time. But they saw the Twisted Sister crew passes and they knew that this was not uh, like typical for a kid to be wearing. And they reached out through channels, and someone, the police department, knew that Mark the Animal Mendoza, my bass player, he works 
for the state police in a civilian capacity. He's been working with state police for decades. Weird, right? Uh, in the 80s, heavy metal rock star. And he went on to work with the state police in a, in a civilian capacity. And just for a little aside, during I may have told you this before, but during 9-11, if you remember, one of the big problems 9-11 was that the communications between state, local, and federal authorities was nil. There was no communication. And part of the, of the mess that happened after that tragedy was due to the fact that these, these law enforcement agencies had no interface. There was only one person, one, who was trained to interface between all of these agencies. Mark the Animal Mendoza. Swear to God. The day after 9-11, he was literally picked up from his house, driven to, to the bunker in New York City, a famous bunker where Giuliani was, was hung out. And with, with driven with a, a group of police cars with the, the, you know, with the lights going and the sirens going, rushed from Long Island to Manhattan to the bunker to sit and be the singular person organizing, connecting state, local, and federal authorities. He was there for over three months at the bunker after 9-11. And since then, he has taught Mark the Animal Mendoza from Twisted Sister, teaches classes to law enforcement agencies about how to interface, how to fix that problem, so that if ever we have a crisis like that again or anything similar, these law enforcement agencies will be able to connect. Amazing, right? Very proud of that. Very pr- I'm very proud of them. You know, just because you're a rock star doesn't mean you're a moron. And, uh, you know, I hope I'm an example of that. And, you know, and Mark Mendoza is certainly an example of that as well. He likes to pretend he's a moron. He does. He's a biker. And he likes to, you know, act like he pretend he's not really smart. But he's way smart. But anyway, someone, he's, he's well known on Long Island for, for being that guy. And... When they saw the Twisted Sister crew passes, they reached out to him and said, we've got the body of a 20-year-old man in this town, and he's got Twisted Sister crew passes. And Mark said, send me a picture of him. And they sent the picture, and it, he ID'd the body before. And, and Dwayne was Mark's his, his base tech. He's uh, Mark Mendoza's bass guitar uh, roadie. And he knew before the boy's father knew that his son had passed. And and terrible. And terrible. You know, it's been said many times. No parent should outlive their child. They should never watch your child. A parent should never watch your child die. And, uh, and that's no truer statement. I can't, as a father, I can't imagine a more awful thing than that. And it's just incredibly moving for me 
that this this young man, and he was, you know, he was he was, he was pretty dark. Uh, he was a hardcore metalhead, and he was definitely uh, what's the word for him, angst ridden. And he gave his dad a lot of crap, and here he was, walking around in Jan in February, wearing Twisted Sister laminates. He was proud. I think he was proud of his dad. And I know his dad had a lot of problems with him. But I think that reflects the pride he had in what his dad did for a living. And um, so it just sort of got me on a tangent, you know, kind of a, a, a kind of an emotional tangent of um, it's just been it's just it's been a lot. It seems it seems like there's a lot of death. And it's not just old people. It's it, you know, and as you know, and it, it, we hear about it every day. Every day we hear about people dying, and it's not. It doesn't really hit us till it's someone close to home, you know. So it's just sort of it got me headed down this road. But I'm thinking about the Super Bowl, and I'm thinking about. The two teams that are playing, and and I just and there's an age thing going on here. There's an age thing. There's the young quarterback, and he's the old quarterback. And I, I just want to analyze that for a second. But first, I just got to take a minute to thank all my great sponsors and all of you great listeners for supporting this podcast. I certainly could not do this show without either of you, and I want to remind you that one that you can shop with Amazon and support my podcast. That's right. Go to Podcast One, click on Killer Deals in the menu bar. That's what it says, Killer Deals. Then select my show, Snyder Comments. You'll be directed to my Amazon banners that include my unique URL, as well as the sponsors who help bring my podcast to you every week. Click and shop, okay? If you, you, if you use that URL... For just doing the normal shopping you do on Amazon, they will funnel some of that, a piece of the action, to the show. It will help the show. No additional money out of your pocket. It'll just keep it'll keep the show going. And for all my listeners in Canada and the UK, I've got links for you too. So check it out and buy the products you already planned on purchasing. Just use my Amazon page first, please. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, and of course supporting my show. I've got just a couple more things I want to tell you about. Okay. Hey, Eddie Trunk, are you listening to this show on the new Podcast One app? It's easy to listen to my show along with 200 others on the free app, and now you can even create your own custom playlist too. So while you're creating the playlist, make sure to add my buddy, my pal, my big toe, Eddie Trunk Podcast, okay? The Eddie Trunk Podcast. He's the most well-known name in hard rock and metal music interviews, and he interviews the best people in the music such as Metallica, Aerosmith, and more. He used to interview Kiss, but he got on the bad side. Just saying. Tune in now. <laughs> Me and Eddie, we're both on Kiss's bad side. Tune in now by downloading the app from the App Store, Google Play, or at podcastone.com and check Eddie Trunk's podcast out for yourself. Look, we love hearing from you. So keep sending your tweets and comments. They are read. And don't miss the chance 
to take our very important listener survey at podcastone.com. Your responses will help make this show the very best it can be, and you'll help Podcast One continue to grant your request. It only takes about three minutes of your time, and you'll get the instant gratification that comes with knowing you help support this show. This is just an, as important. This is just as important as supporting my sponsors. You can tell me how you really feel about the show and help the show know you better. Do it now. Take the survey at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com, and keep those tweets and comments coming. And remember, if the show's Twitter handle is Snyder Comments at Snyder Comments, the email is SnyderComments at gmail.com. And I've asked you to submit questions for future listener question show. So submit them at Snyder Comments, the Twitter uh, email, uh, the Twitter handle, or SnyderComments at gmail.com. Okay, I don't want to go through my regular uh, at D. Snyder because I want to see I want to see if some of you people who are listening to the show are not following me on Twitter actively and have questions you want answered, so email them to SnyderComments at SnyderWithAnI at gmail.com. So, we got Peyton the old guy, and Cam Newton, the young guy. And I always find myself rooting for the old guy. When George Foreman got back in the ring, remember? A number of years ago? Anybody? Anybody? Uh, you know, I was rooting for the old guy. I'm always rooting for the old guy. And I'm thinking it's because I'm an old guy. That's logical, right? But I'm wondering if that's the case. Do, and I don't know the answer, do young people root for the young guy, beating up on the old guy, going, yeah, show those old guys. Those old guys think they're so cool. Those old guys think they got it going on. Kick his ass, young guy. Kick that old man's ass. Or are they rooting for the legacy, for the story? Because a lot of times the old guys have that. The old guys... They've got, they have a story to tell, and it's something about, you know, it's, 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 it's movie-like, it's epic. When an old guy, you know, in his last match, his last game, his last moment in the spotlight shines. Is it, is it do young people see that as well? Because it's really movie-like. All great movies have that. All great movies have that. They, they like to have that cherry on the cake, you know, cherry on top of the cake. You know, that, 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 that ending, that glorious ending. And I think, and I'm thinking that young people like it too because of what it says. It, it has this hopefulness for everybody that life is like a Hollywood movie. That life is filled with happy endings, with fairy tale endings. That they end with glory and not with failure. And we all identify with that. 
I mean, when I see these matches between the young and the old, my rationalization for cheering on the old guy, besides the the fact that he's the old guy, but I think it's, again, I think it's more than that he's the old guy. I think it's the Hollywood ending. I think it's the fairy tale ending. I think I've always seen that. And I look at the the young gun and I go, well, they got plenty of more chances. You know, yeah, it'd be great if they won the game. It'd be great if they hit the home run. It'd be great if they, they won the fight. But their career is just beginning. Cam Newton, he's handsome and incredibly talented. His career is just beginning. With any luck, he'll be one of the greats. But Peyton Manning, as he said, this is my last rodeo. And yeah, he's had chances before. And yeah, he's been out there on the field. And he had had glory. And, you know, I certainly, if he doesn't win, it's not like, oh, you know, what a sad life he's had. The guy's got it going on. But... It's such a better story if he does. If that last game. And by the way, Manning, if you don't walk off after this one, because this guy guy quit and comes back, he's starting to be like, you know, one of these rock bands that won't leave. Here's your last time. After that, I'm rooting for you to go down. Okay, if you come back again, this is you got to walk off into the sunset. Win, lose, or draw. That's part of the story. Not all that, not all endings are happy. But I'm curious. And I guess, you know, I'll see some tweets or some emails or something. I know I have some younger listeners. But I think that more people, not just the old people, more people, young and old, root for the old guy, for just the reasons I said, that it gives everybody hope, that it can work, it can happen, it, it can you can succeed. People don't like sad endings. Movies with sad endings, they don't sell well. I remember uh, Cujo, Stephen King's Cujo, the movie. I had read the book. I was a big Stephen King reader. And uh, in the book, the little boy dies. And my wife and I were watching the movie, and we had a young son at that point. And she was really, it was, it was a very realistic movie, if you, if you remember that one. It wasn't much, so much of a horror movie at all. It's just a, a movie of circumstance, of unfortunate circumstance. And, and you could really see the way things evolved to the point where this mother and child were trapped in this car by this rabid dog in the heat of this hot summer day. And you could just see that, you know, yeah, it was incredible, unfortunate circumstances, but you could, it, it actually, you could see how it might happen. And Suzette is crying watching this. And uh, she says to me, is this, does this boy die? 
And I said, well, you just have to watch the movie to see. And she starts wailing on my arm. She has a great right, right hook. She's punching. She says, you better tell me now because if that kid's going to die, I can't stand to sit here and watch this movie finish. And he says, and I will hate you forever if you don't tell me. I said, okay, okay, he dies. And, uh, oh, spoiler alert. She goes, leaves the room, and I'm watching the rest of the movie, and he dies. And then they revive him, and he comes back to life. And I said, Suzette, he's alive. She goes, okay, roll the movie back. I'll watch the rest of the movie. And we roll it back, and we watch it again. And we, so when I met Stephen King, and Cujo is one of my favorite Stephen King movies because it was truest to the book. And I said, dude, what, what was that all about? He goes, ah. Uh, he goes, you know, they told me, he said, Stephen, you can't kill little children in Hollywood. You know, look at all those horror movies. They're never like killing little kids. And by the way, Strangeland was originally little children. They said, oh, no, 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 no. Make them, no. Everybody's cool with teenagers being killed, but not teenagers, 20-somethings. That's awesome. You can't kill little children. So Stephen, they told Stephen, they said, you can't kill a kid. You'll be known, you'll be branded a child killer forever. So Stephen King said, hey, go ahead, bring him back to life. He's dead to me. That's what Stephen King said to me. The point being, I think that everybody roots for a happy ending, for a Hollywood ending. And I think more people, young and old alike, it's not an ageism thing. It's not an ageist thing. Young and old alike, more are rooting for the old guy than for the young gun. More are rooting for the for the you know blaze of glory, going out in a blaze of glory, than seeing some young studly dude kick an old man's ass. <laughs> so we'll see what happens with the Super Bowl, but I, I have definitely been waxing weirdly lately I keep thinking of that line from Bram Stoker's Dracula take me away from all this death yikes yikes that's all I gotta say is yikes alright that's it for this week I'm, I will try to get my game going Get be more timely be more focused I've just, in a great way, I've just been all over the place, but uh, I'm blessed that way. But, but it's been really tough to, to do a to do a focused, timely podcast. Have a great week, everybody. Stay tuned for the latest AP News headlines from Podcast One right after this. When shopping for car insurance, consider this. GEICO has been saving people money on car insurance for over 75 years. So if you're serious about savings, it's simple. Go to GEICO.com. After 75 years, they know how to save you money. AP Update. I'm Rita Foley. Now the Democrats are down to two presidential campaign candidates who will debate tonight before New Hampshire's first-in-the-nation primary. 
AP correspondent Jerry Bodlander is there in New Hampshire with Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. Sanders and Clinton clashed over her progressive credentials during separate appearances at a CNN town hall. He contends her track record on issues like trade and authorizing the war in Iraq shows she is not progressive enough. I do not know any progressive who has a super PAC and takes $15 million from Wall Street. Clinton counters she has been fighting the progressive fight and getting things done for people for a long time. I know where I stand. I know who stands with me. I know what I've done. And she took a jab at Sanders, saying he's playing gatekeeper of who is a progressive. Jerry Bodlander, Merrimack, New Hampshire. AP Update. I'm Rita Foley.